if it was, you know, as if I was already recording, but I wasn't already recording, and then we would have been 20 minutes into the show, and I would have realized I wasn't recording. And that's always fun. And then we would have had to start over. Or you would have made me record another show tomorrow night. You've never done that before. No, I've never done that before. But it's okay, because now I am recording. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everyone. This is the Twitterless heroine herself, the ring announcer to the stars, the hashtag queen of soft style, and your host of the hashtag Miranda show, Miranda Morales. I'm excited that you are joining us for this week's episode. There's still a lot going on in the world of professional wrestling, even though we are all stuck in our houses. Uh, But do not fright. We have some entertaining topics to go over tonight. But I want to bring in my co-host bright and early because he did not interrupt me this time when I did my intro. So uh, I really a- appreciate that. Uh, but also, I mean, he's, he's he's trigger happy, this man. He has all these buttons at his, you know, array wanting to just push the button. So go ahead, Greg DeMarco, push the button. Welcome. You know why it's funny that, that that's the theme song that I just played for myself because, um, and I've used that one before, that is the theme song that's played in the movie Daredevil for The Kingpin, which we were just talking about off air as this week when I was on the DWA podcast, PC Tony referred to me as the kingpin of the chairshot.com. Sometimes you can't even plan these things. No, which is, you know, it's true. I When I heard that, that was a you know, newest nickname of yours I heard. And I thought that's pretty accurate. You know, I mean, if we're like the mob, then <laughs> the chairshot.com is the mob. Then so Greg DeMarco is the kingpin. I, I teased new t-shirts and that wasn't one of them, but now I have an idea <laughs> and <laughs> might need to incorporate it. And yes, everyone, we are talking about thechairshot.com because the hashtag Miranda Show is a proud member of the Chairshot Radio Network. You can find this podcast and many other podcasts at thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. 
TheChairShot.com is home to the hashtag Miranda Show, also ChairShot Radio, which includes myself, Patrick O'Dowd, and the kingpin, Greg DeMarco. The DWI uh, podcast, uh, The Reaction, Badlands, Outsider's Edge, Pot is War, just a lot of other amazing podcasts. So if this is not your cup of tea, well, you know, too bad, son. You should start drinking some different tea because... This could actually be a lot of fun if you gave it a shot. But And why are you listening if it's not your cup of tea? Like really? <laughs> because like, they're trying. I'm just I just told them to, to try it out. So give it a try. See what you I think. Guess, but, I guess my my argument there was it obviously is their cup of tea because they're listening. Because <laughs> they're listening. Wild card, But if you want to listen to more podcasts because you have all this time on your hands, you know, maybe doing stuff at home like nothing or working or think in between that, which is pretty much what we all do. You can go to thechairshot.com, which also is your home for all of the latest wrestling news, analysis, and opinions. And you can also find thechairshot.com on social media at thechairshot.com on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to use the hashtag, use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. This is such good shit. So before we get into this week's topic, Greg really had kind of almost a surprise for me. He, you know, felt so bad for last week after interrupting uh, a nearly perfect introduction that he decided to gift me uh, something, which I I don't know what it is. Um, kind of know what it is, but I haven't. I I don't know. So Greg, before we get into this week's topic, which is you know something I'm very proud of uh, that I came up with all by myself because I'm a big kid now. Um, tell us what what's your what's the big surprise? Why well, I mean, why tell when when we can just play it for the people? You know. That's what I think. I think we can just play it for the people instead. I guess go ahead and play it. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. I'm here to clear my name. People have been blaming me all week for what happened with Kane and Lita. It wasn't my fault. Talk about your Psalms. Talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. pretty badass it's like an upgrade you know it, it's like you got you, you go from like the guy who pretends to be a badass to the guy who actually was a badass like that's kind of how i look at it and and you know badass is something that that you know phrase i use with you you off air multiple times and so yeah <laughs> there you go you're welcome actually have to, it so so the the from the snitsky through the end of austin is all one the rest i got to tack on to the beginning of the end i haven't done that yet but yeah i made it happen 
Well, that's awesome. That's so nice of you, Greg. Why did you do that? What do you want? I feel like you're trying to get something out of me. Do I owe you money for this? Like, what's the deal? I mean, there's this Christmas present you claimed you bought me and never gave me. But besides that. That is also true. <laughs> I, You know what? I think about that a lot because it's in my joking. car. <laughs> <laughs> That's that outstanding. I just, and I keep thinking I should probably mail it <laughs> to you because then it also yet. became a birthday gift. And then it just like we're no, like don't mail three it. months out later. I don't, I don't care if it's not till like November. I, I just I don't care if it's the next At Christmas. At this point, that may be the next time we, you know, are, are face to face because of this whole quarantine situation. Uh Last that we heard, Arizona extended our stay-at-home order through the 15th, but they're they're doing a rollout of services yeah. uh, over the next two weeks. Um, hair salons are going to be opening back up uh, next week, um, and then restaurants should be opening up probably. Like kind of, but, so, but I have yeah, a feeling a lot of them aren't going to. Like I know in Texas and Georgia where they told restaurants they could open, a bunch of the restaurants were like, well, we're not, so – yeah. You know, so it's literally, I don't know. I, I just, you know, you know my opinions on it and whether or not I think it's too soon. But it doesn't matter what my opinion is is at this point. Like, it's just, there's nothing, nothing I can do. It doesn't matter what you think. We just got to see what happens and, yeah. and see the results. And, and I, I, I am concerned. I think it's going to cause another spike. Um, I did find it really ironic that the day before, Texas reopened everything. They had their highest number of cases and deaths. So that was, um, you know, probably not the best timing in the world. But, I mean, who knows? I, I understand the economic situation and why they're trying to do what they're due. I don't agree with it, but I'm not in power to stop it. So, unfortunately, I just hope it doesn't go as badly as, as some might suspect it will. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, still some peaks that haven't even occurred yet throughout the U.S., and every state is observing their own timeline, which is tricky. Uh, they're, they're looking towards the federal government for guidance, but I think the federal government is going back to the state saying, you know, do what you think is best. Um, and I do think that the states have a, a the better grip of what's happening. Um, but at the same time, there's still information coming in on a daily basis and even just, you know, data that they still have to process in order to do predictive models on you know, when this could actually peak or what will happen once you start reopening businesses. But at the same time, there are businesses hurting and it's such a fine line and it's so tricky. And in some ways, you know, there isn't a right or wrong to this. I mean, other than just doing your best to uh, practice social distancing and methods of, you know, keeping yourself safe and uh, sanitary. I mean, like, what else can can you do? I mean, most people who are um, have been under quarantine for, you know, now almost two months. Um, most people are still staying home, but there's also people who need to be out and about, who want to be out and about. And it's, you know, yeah, hard to, to say no. I'm the same way. I physically need to leave my house every day to do something. Yeah. And usually it's just for a walk to work out, to do something. But, you know, I miss yep. going to TJ Maxx. <laughs> that was the first place I was thinking about. Other than the gym, where would I go? Probably TJ Maxx or Marshalls. I miss it so yeah. much. I mean, and who knows? Like, I, I do... Uh, I think you got to try. It, it may backfire. I'm worried that it'll backfire, but it's just 
you know, it is what it is. And, mm-hmm. and there's really no level of complaining we can do. Lawmakers and businesses may be in cahoots. Who knows? The economy's in shambles. They're trying to fix it besides just printing more money, which is what they're going to end up doing anyway. And it, it's, you know, hey, we're just in it. And all I can do is worry about me and, and those close to me like you and, and just leave it be, you know, and that, that's all yeah. we can do. Can I, can I talk about one other thing? I didn't get a chance to talk about it during ChairShot Radio because we had about 87 topics to discuss on ChairShot Radio we this week. We had a lot of topics to which cover on ChairShot Radio. Was, was you guys should listen to it because it's all actually uh, really interesting and a lot of fun. Um, but, of it course, this also, this also feels like we just pour things over from ChairShot Radio into the Hashtag we do, Show. Sometimes. Not because we just automatically record it afterwards. Not only just that, but. It's just the way it goes, and it's two of the three people, and and no, um, the 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 Greg Demarco show this week is a very fun guest. So so I had a guest lined up, and that guest just kind of like stopped responding, has since responded, and is trying to reschedule. But so I was able to book an interview with Chef Daryl Mack, who is is ah, becoming Chef a staple, who's becoming a staple of uh, local Arizona wrestling shows. We talked Love a little bit the about chef. that. Um, just so, so, so much of it. This is one of the things that I want to accomplish with this. Like the first two interviews and people were asking to be interviewed and everything, but it's like, I just want an array of guests that are just different and fun. And, and chef Daryl, you know, was like, I'll do it. And so, and then I do, I have a list, like I got to set up a, a spreadsheet now and start tracking my potential guests. Cause there's so many people that want to do yeah. this. It's insane. Um, apparently I do good interviews. Who knew? Um, I mean, I did, but whatever, you know, I'm that asshole, but, yeah. uh, chef Daryl was a lot of fun and I got to put the opening onto it. I'm a release. So it probably will come out later this week, a little bit later than normal, but next week's guest on the Greg DeMarco show, I am not going to reveal who it is, but I'm just going to tell everybody that it's going to be a mind blowing guest on next week's edition Ooh. of the Greg DeMarco show. So that means you're going to text it to me later. Nope. I probably will. Yes. I will. Fine, yes. I will. But you know, I will say, I'm not, I'm not going to tell anyone, but you know, nah, you, you can't just say that to me enough. Um, I will say this. So the first three guests have been people that have some kind of connection to the world of pro wrestling. Um, you know, Kevin Gill, Denise Salcedo, and Chef Daryl Mack, who's a wrestling fan going back to the 70s. Um, yep. And we, we didn't really talk about wrestling all that much. And, and, and so, because we had so many other, and all three of them want to come back and talk about wrestling, like at some point in the future, like even Daryl texted me, he was like, I want to talk more wrestling now. And I was like, okay, we, we can, we can look at that. But you know, that was an hour. And so this week I'm recording with someone who's not a big wrestling fan at all. And we're going to talk about wrestling. So it's going to be kind of the exact opposite, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. Um, another person who requested to be a guest on the show, and yeah, I don't want to reveal too much. I think people are going to get a real big kick out of it, yourself included and everyone else, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't even know how it's going to go, but it's going to be a whole That's heck of a lot of fun. The beauty of, of that setup of your show is you know, you just kind of go with the flow and you take aspects of people that are interesting in many different ways. And it's great when you can talk about wrestling, but it's also amazing when you get to know the person. And yeah, Cheryl, Chef Daryl Mack, um, for those of you who aren't aware, he um, helps run uh, some kind of like catering um, concessions. Uh, on his own, but also as a big wrestling fan has done that for several different promotions um, throughout the Phoenix area, um, including IZW. Uh, they done it for uh, was it Phoenix championship. Yeah. Those are actually the only two he's yeah. done. He's done PCW and he's done IZW. Those are the only two wrestling ones. Yeah. So we talked about that. 
And he, yeah. he he even brought up that the last IZW show was the most he's ever made at, at a wrestling event, which he had told me Yay. right afterwards. And he's like, he you know. Awesome and it, food, and he's a, such a, a wonderful guy, a huge wrestling fan for many, many years, and he's just a lovely person. So Yeah, I'm and really you get to learn about his other job. We actually talked for a while about his other job and, and, and that he's using to kind of fund all of this and his family situation. Like, it's a lot of cool things just to hear because normal people are extraordinary, and that's one of the things that I am, kind of feel like I've, I've become – decent at is just having conversations with normal people that are just fun and exciting and and you can bring things out of them and so um i definitely want to continue with that and yeah this is chef daryl max a lot of fun so enjoy that one it's probably gonna be up friday since outsider's edge hasn't been recording during the quarantine i figured i'll slot it in right there and um and then probably turn right around and have one up sunday or monday with the new one which i just yeah that one's gonna be so much fun yeah. Lots and lots of fun. I, very I, excited for that. You'll have to ask me like four times, and then I'll give in and tell you, and it'll be fine. Yes, no, I will. I'll ask you multiple times. Uh, but you know what? We have an actual wrestling topic to cover. I know, twenty minutes into the show, and we finally close. Seventeen, seventeen oh five. Almost, man. Yes, we're killing it. I'm, I'm chopping down. Oh, but a, you know what? Minutes. This is. I can officially do this now. It's gonna be May. Because it is. Because it's finally May. <laughs> the dumbest things make me happy. Yes. Uh, you know what? I have, to... I, have to... I have to send you a Britney Spears one that I found. That Please do. I, I fell in love with. We've never talked about that, but closet Britney Spears fan. Yes. Who said closeted? I'm, I'm oh, an me. avid. Oh, I me. Mean, you are. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, everyone, either you're open or you're closeted as a Britney Spears fan. That's that's just, but everyone's a fan. Can you guess my capacity. favorite Britney Spears song? <laughs> Your favorite Britney Spears song. <laughs> are we playing the Bronze Showman game? Or are we <laughs> Doesn't rhyme with Braun, so no. Um. Oh, man. I'm queuing it up here on, on YouTube. I'm going to say Stronger. That's your favorite. favorite on, I'm queuing it up on YouTube, but there's a commercial playing. So let me get to the commercial. Skip the ads. Pause. Bring it back. All right. You're going to know Ooh, right no. from the very beginning. Over, okay. Overprotected. I see why you said that, but no. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But let's see here. No, because there's some I good know. lyrics in there. No, this is... I, I'm, I'm, I'm partially ashamed, but not. Lucky. Right now, Brittany is talking on the phone in the video. She's a stewardess, dressed like no stewardess I've ever seen. Everybody knows toxic. We don't need we don't need the commentary. Do they? Do they know the video? Yeah. Everybody knows the video. Okay, Everyone fine. knows the glitter suit that she's wearing. Oh yeah, me too.
All right, enough of that. That's just too much yes. fun. That's no, Greg's it's, favorite it's... Britney Spears song. There you go. I love it. There's a little kid Good. in the video at one point who just looks like I, he looked legit confused, like not like I'm an actor in a video confused, but like legitimately like, why am I on this plane? Why is she doing this? Why is she touching herself there? I'm really confused right now. I'm only seven. Like it just really. <laughs> just can't. Hey, that kid, that that kid was an actor. I mean, that that kid is a professional. So is he, though? Um, and he's probably yes. somebody's kid. Like he's probably somebody's kid who worked on the video. Like He's probably not really an actor. Hey, when you're on a Britney Spears video, the expectations are high. It's the highest of calibers of videos that you're on. Do you really so you believe have that? To have your acum. Do you really believe that? Yes. Oh, hey, Mark. Like you just admitted that you believe that like the fans really got Daniel Bryan into the WrestleMania 30 main event, and I felt attacked by each one of those statements. You were calling me out. I wasn't calling you out. You're guilty. You have a guilty conscience. You're a guilty Catholic, and that's why you feel that way. Oh, hey, Mark. Because you knew I believe in all those things. No, I didn't. We never really talked about those. Yeah. If, if, what, if you guys are wondering, you know, Greg, you know, spilled out some specific instances. <laughs> that was all about Zack Ryder, too. That's the funny part. <laughs> Somehow I turned Zack Ryder into WrestleMania 30, the Montreal screw job. And what was the other one that I threw in there as well? There was a third one that I threw in. I can't even remember now. But Oh, Medusa dropping the belt in the trash can. Medusa drop, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we talked about that promo last week. And so we I did. felt like every single instance, you know, we've talked about that. I believe Daniel Bryan, you know, got pushed into WrestleMania 30. He did get pushed band. by the I company. Think- I believe the Montreal screw job was exactly that a screw job. Now that I, I, the only thing that's different about the screw job than what we've all been told is that Bret Hart knew. Everything else is as the the he's the only other person besides everyone that we've been told knew that knew is Bret Hart. Like when you hear Bruce Prichard talk about the screw job and how the Undertaker was mad at him, but neither of them really knew. That's all true. The only yeah. difference is that Bret was in on it, and that this was the solution they came up with. So Vince, Pat. Earl, Sean, and Brett. That was the only people that knew. Supposedly. But that's one more. Allegedly. No, definitely. Yes. I, I'm just saying allegedly, you know. But uh, there was a, a series of statements that Greg said on Chairshot Radio that it was that meme, that line is like, I feel attacked by all of these lines. <laughs> it was really funny when all of a sudden you busted out, I feel attacked. I'm like, this ain't about you. Dave, it, no, it's but, me, Dave. But it was because you picked out those specific instances because you knew out, out of all the, the three people on Chair Shot Radio, I am the biggest mark of just being a mark, you know. What's really funny uh, is that you think I picked those out just because of you. You have a topic. We're now 23 minutes into the show. I know. You We've managed to waste six more minutes. Collusion. Wait, I colluded with myself? Who did I collude yeah. with if that was collusion? I colluded with sound bites. You I, colluded with, you know, yeah. My uh, other personalities. I was going to say Blog Talk Radio, but we're not even on Blog Talk. <laughs> you got Blog Talk on the brain because you know you got I know. I have Blog Talk on the brain for other, other things. That's right. Well, I mean, look, so we're talking we're talking about the, you know, the world of wrestling and specifically these instances, you know, about uh, the Montreal school job and um wrestlemania 30 medusa you know throwing the the women wwf's women's uh, belt in the trash you know and these all have an element of something that we call kayfabe 
you know, this idea, this concept of living the image, of blurring the lines between reality um, and fiction. And so I wanted to talk about this idea of the evolution of KFA because there was two uh, different pieces of content that came out earlier this week, or actually part of last week and then just a few days ago, that explore two very different ends of the spectrum of kayfabe. Actually, it's 36 years uh, difference between point A and point B in what I'm going to be talking about today. And it was fascinating because they are unrelated, but they also show how much kayfabe has changed um, in almost 40 years. I want to start with point A, which was this past week's episode of Dark Side of the Ring, which airs on Vice TV. They're in their middle of their second season, and the story that they decided to cover this week was Dr. David Schultz and John Stossel, and specifically the really infamous interview that John Stossel had with Dr. David Schultz asking him if wrestling was fake, and Dr. David Schultz's response to John Stossel, which was pretty much slapping him around. And they go into the full story about, you know, David Schultz's career, how he got to the WWF at the time, and also in parallel, you know, John Stalso being an investigative reporter for ABC, kind of the idea behind wanting to investigate and explore professional wrestling, um, the story that he did with Eddie Mansfield, and this addition to the story where he went to Madison Square Garden to interview some wrestlers to get their insight as to, you know, is wrestling real or is it fake? And really all that all that leads up to John Stalso going to Dr. David Schultz asking him, is wrestling real? And his response, I mean, is infamous, is, you know, is wrestling fear or is it fake? Is it fake? Um, and Dr. Schultz, you know, Dr. David Schultz punching him and slapping him in the face, slapping him right across the side of his head. And that being captured for, for many, many years. Um, it does talk about the, you know, the things leading up to it. Uh, Dr. Schultz says that... Um, Vince told him to stay in character and Vince, you know, was the one who urged him to, to do this um, as far as staying in character, keeping kayfabe. And John Stalsell, you know, said, Oh, Vince invited me. I was welcomed. And Vince said it was okay. So still hearing two ends of the story and also learning more about Dr. Schultz's background in training as a wrestler and how he was brought up um, and what kayfabe meant to him and protecting the business and how much it meant, especially in this time. That was, this was in 1984. So this was many, many years before there was even blurring of the lines. This is when, you know, faces and heels still travel together. There was clear separation and fans truly did believe that it was real. Um, and the aftermath after that, you know, uh, Dr. Schultz going into becoming a bounty hunter, uh, a lawsuit that happened that John Stossel had filed against, uh, the WWF and all the things that happened and kind of what this left as a legacy for, you know, both men, but also the the professional wrestling industry, how a little bit later on, eventually you had, you know, Hulk Hogan uh, work with Mr. T and it became much more going on a national spotlight um, and how kayfabe still existed, but over time, it kind of faded away. Greg, I don't know if you were able to see any of this online, but I'm interested in your thoughts in this particular story. I mean, you've heard about it. You may have seen things about it, probably this clip before. I mean, what are your thoughts on the Dr. David Schultz and John Stossel 
story. It's so weird for it to come up now and having not seen it for years upon years, then all of a sudden it comes up because when, when you first, I heard, you know, I didn't necessarily see it when it initially happened, um, but then I saw it later and it was, it, it just kind of made sense. Like they were protecting the business at the time. Like that happened before Vince McMahon revealed in front of a jury in trial that, that you know, wrestling was fake and did so because the state of New Jersey and there was all the issues with the commission and all that stuff. And actually that admission ends up saving WWF at the time a lot of money in dealing with athletic commissions in a lot of states. And so it worked out for that reason. It's entertainment. But that notion of protecting the business was such a big thing. And that's what we're seeing. And the problem that we run into, I'm getting a little off topic, is that we'll watch something from 1984 and we'll apply 2020 standards to it and and it just no one was holding themselves to those standards in 1984 we didn't know and people didn't know any better and in 1984 you didn't tell like in 1984 if you told a rest if you asked a wrestler if the if wrestling was fake that was your fault for asking the question in 2020 it's the wrestler's fault for answering it same question same scenario different person to blame and and it's 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 just kind of the way the world was. It doesn't mean it was right that the world was like that, but it's just kind of the way things were. At that point, kayfabe was a very very real thing, and you protected the business at all costs, and you did everything you could to keep that realism because it was that realism that was selling out arenas all over the place. It was that realism that was turning Hulk Hogan into a megastar when he beat all these monsters and giants, and and it was that realism that made people believe. Um, that, that what they were seeing, or at least made them wonder if what they were seeing was 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 real and legit. And and that went a long way in doing that. And, and what David Schultz was doing is what he was always taught to do and, and what some people are still taught to do today. And and so yeah, it's it's weird, um, because we couldn't fathom doing that in twenty twenty and no one would do that in twenty twenty. You'd be stupid to do that in twenty twenty. You were kinda stupid to do it in nineteen eighty four. But I guarantee you he was a hero to those he was working with in 1984 when he did it. Now, people would be I think you'd be a hero to some people, but even the people you were a hero to would be like, yeah, you can't do that. You, you just can't yeah. do that now. But kayfabe, and, and, back then was just a very different thing. I think yeah. people were also, and maybe this goes into something we'll talk about later, depending on what direction you want to go. I think in 1984, people were more willing to go along with kayfabe. People didn't want to yeah. be smart in 1984. No, and and also you got to think too about you know what was on television at the time. You know, big movies and TV shows, and it was a lot about building the entertainment. You also think about the 80s as a time where you started to build um, the idea of you know luxury and um, being beyond your means and doing things that were outrageous you know like the 80s really became a time of that and i think that's this was really before the the build of hulk hogan but the 80s was kind of a perfect time for that and a lot of that was maintained by kayfabe you know the idea that hulk hogan was uh immortal and that he could you know uh, do anything because he was so strong and big. And, you know, we find out later there was some enhancements to that as well. Um, but that was also part of 
of the concept of kayfabe. You know, the bad guys were the bad guys and the good guys, you know, were good and they triumphed over the bad guys. And, and it was like, you're watching a superhero in real life. And that's an aspect I love about pro wrestling. Even now, I, I know what it is as an adult, but I love, I will always love that aspect of larger than life that it projects um, when wrestlers are performing in the ring and, even and you had to kind of pull that out too outside of the ring too i completely understand the concept behind it and also when you feel attacked because again wrestling is its own community it's its own niche population and when uh any like a wrestler or wrestling fan feels attacked even now today the first thing that they do is kind of lash out because that's kind of what we're trained to do we're trained to do that even as fans that anytime we feel attacked the first thing that we do is attack ourselves because you're an outsider you don't know this industry you don't care about it all you want to do is destroy it and there's people who truly care about it who love it who would do anything for it who spent days and nights and endless amount of time training and preparing for it. And when someone from the outside comes to essentially attack it and scrutinize it and belittle it, of course, you know, there's this feeling of wanting to protect it. Um, and, and I completely understand that aspect too, how people go about, you know, protecting the business. It happens in very different ways. And in this case, in 1984, someone got slapped for it. I, I mean, I also can see how in this story, what they're telling in the dark side of the ring is kind of John Stalso being a, a bit asinine about it, at least at the time. And now he's kind of accepting some things about it that, you know, maybe he wish he would approach it differently. But also you look at investigative journalism, especially in the 80s. I mean, you had all of the, the big news stations, but even things like hard copy was out where, you know, that sold. They understood what sells. And that's where journalism and wrestling hold kind of the, the same value is that they understand there's an element of entertainment in what they do. And so you got to peel back layers and you got to do things that are a little controversial in order to get viewership. So that's where I think there was some commonalities um between even schultz and stalsel with what they were trying to do and trying to project but the reason i wanted to start there is because again that was something that like you mentioned most people haven't seen in several years it just came up because of this past week's episode of dark side of the ring and then something else came out which was a complete 180 on the idea of kayfabe and a lot of people are talking about this from the hollywood perspective and this was becky lynch on the tv show billions this was their season premiere on showtime she came on as herself um which you think what is she doing as herself on on a show like billions which is you know um from my understanding, I've only watched a few episodes and a few snippets, but it's definitely more drama, more thriller, more dark comedy, um, more adult themed. And you're thinking, what is she doing on this uh, show? A lot of news around Becky Lynch has actually gone around uh, her possible involvement in a Marvel movie, which we talked about on ShareShot Radio this week. Um, so more people were kind of up in arms about her being on TV and possibly in movies. And I was more interested in her role and what she said during her segment on billions because she talked about kayfabe she essentially broke down all the walls on kayfabe and explained it to the common man and then the common man in this case is actually um i believe in a setting where 
it's this startup company um, with a lot of people working. And uh, she pretty much went in there trying to pick a fight with one of the staff members, um, hollering and, and yelling. Uh, the staff member comes out saying, I told you never to come here again. And they fight it out. They actually have this fight in the middle of the office. Um, and eventually Becky gets up and the staff member and Becky embrace and show, oh, it was fake, everyone. I actually think I and have it. it. Yeah, I, I mean, I it's a few it. minutes, but if you want to if you want to play see. it. Let's see what happens here. Who are you? you who I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I'm security. No, and you're not going to call yelling. security, you stupid dog. I need to see Wendy Rose. Now it's not an appointment. You tell Wendy Rose to get out of her little office right now before I go back there and slap the head off I her. told you never to come to my place of work. You're going to have to throw me in. That's actually where it ends, the video that I found. So it doesn't even <laughs> so show the part most, you were talking about. Yeah. So uh, from that point, the they embrace. They mention, oh, it was just an act. And she mentions that she was brought there by the staff member to talk about the idea of kayfabe. That in the wrestling business, uh, one thing that they do is to put each other over. And how that actually helps everyone when you're able to put some, you know, each other over um, and help each other out. And there was several things that caught my attention from this was one, I mean, essentially breaking down the concept of kayfabe to a regular office environment. And I'm thinking, what would that look like if we did that? If we went into our offices one day to start a meeting and, and talked about, you know, kayfabe, uh, sometimes in life you may put up a persona or, uh, you may put up some walls to pretend that you are someone that you're not, but you're doing it only to protect, you know, your coworkers and, and put them over and how it's important to put over, you know, each other. How do you think that would go in your office? Like that, that conversation, that speech. You know, it's funny because we actually do that sometimes, like in leadership, where we'll like specifically position somebody almost like it's scripted or it's, you know, pre-planned. Okay, you talk about this, I'm going to talk about this, and then you jump in here and say this is going to make you look good, and this is going to make, like, we've actually done some of that even recently. Like, we had this big forecasting meeting on Friday, and it's like, okay, you talk about this, and you talk about this effort you did, and I'm going to talk about this, and we're all going to come out looking amazing in this whole deal. Like, so one of the people I work with is very good at that and, and definitely imparts that that in, the, you know, putting on the show, so to speak. But calling it kayfabe is a whole different layer that would not happen in in the office whatsoever because i don't think anybody would know what the hell that word even means in the office um but it's also who we are we're we're not viewed as becky lynch in our office and if becky lynch came in the office and talked about kayfabe people would be immediately engaged and enthralled and want to hear what she has to say about it because she's you know a big tv star and we're not so that's also the aspect too is who's saying champ yeah and and they recognize that they i mean they uh they they mentioned that as as part of her introduction. You know, she's the champ and she's the man. Um, and in order to to be the man, it's a you know an aspect about putting people over. So I, I thought that aspect was interesting of how 
if you or I or someone who works in a regular office environment, which we do, if we were to try and do that speech with our coworkers, how well that would uh, go. I think at the, you know, at the core of it, like you said, it makes sense and it does have aspects that are relatable, you know, about wanting to help each other out and, and using each other's ways to um, take care of each other and to, uh, you know, as, as we all watch over for each other, it can help the growth and it can help help the health of any organization. But the way that she kind of explains it is just straight out kayfabe. I'm thinking, you know, a, a David Schultz, punched someone 36 years ago for asking, you know, if wrestling was real if it, and if it was fake. And the evolution that we've had in 36 years to now, we're just open about it and it's included in a national television show. And we're explaining it to regular people in the office that this is what kayfabe is and this is how you can use it in your everyday life is a little mind boggling. Um, and I think it's one, a commentary on just the times that we live in. And there's so many things that happened in between, you know, in the decades of this happening with wrestling growing um, in popularity during the 90s, which then in turn gave growth to the reality era, era where we had even just reality competitions uh, with professional wrestling, like Tough Enough. Then you have reality TV, like Total Divas and Total Bellas and Ms. and Mrs. And, um, you know, just, just things like that beyond. Like the the curtains started to, to be pulled back little by little by little. Then you also have elements like social media where, you know, it was hard to draw the line between the individual person and the wrestling persona. And it's sometimes... You were very clear about that, even having different social media accounts or different posts or, you know, whatever that was like, then things became a little bit more compartmentalized, but then also things became blended. Now, even on social media, I mean, you had Jim Cornette, you know, making complaints about people who utilize their real name on, you know, their wrestling social media accounts because he's just that old school. But it also is a sign that, the lines are blurring and what kayfabe was in 1984 and what kayfabe is now is very different, but also what is it now? I, I'm interested in your thoughts. So what is kayfabe now to them? What it was in the past? It, it's an interesting question and there's so many layers to it. I'm going to try to hit as many as possible. Um, wrestling has always been putting on a show. Like, that's what it is, right? That, that's if you want to break it down to its most basic level. You're putting on a show for people to see. And you're putting on a show for people to, to watch and enjoy. Vince McMahon has been saying the phrase, we make movies, going back to the 80s. And wrestling has largely just been the backdrop for the movie that Vince McMahon is creating. And it's, it's the way you put on the show has changed. Largely, you don't present, nothing is presented in 2020 as it was presented in 1984. Like, it's just, you know, the, everything has evolved and changed, and, and you were used that word as well. But yet, some people don't want wrestling to evolve. They want wrestling to still be like it was in 1984, 
because the you know so much money was being made and it was just a different business. But if wrestling didn't evolve and change, wrestling probably still wouldn't be here anymore. If if it you know evolve or perish is a phrase that, that Triple H coined on one of the first major takeover events, and it's the truth. Like if you don't evolve, you're gonna go away. Businesses that don't evolve, like Blockbuster Video didn't evolve. Guess what? We can't go to Blockbuster Video anymore and rent videos. R.I.P. to Blockbuster, man. Right, pour it out for Blockbuster. I got the cap on still because I don't want to ruin my computer. But it's but that's the thing. Like, there's probably still people who miss Blockbuster Video and wish the world were like that. But it perished because it didn't evolve. It didn't change. And they tried to at the end. They tried to do their own Netflix-type service, and that didn't work out at all for them um, because they were trying to use it to drive people back into the stores. And and people didn't want to go to the stores anymore. And now you look at Netflix. Netflix, this is the funny part. Netflix used to send DVDs to people. Like, they still kind of do. But I I think they still do. It's like 1% of the customer base that that actually does that. Um, At one point, they tried to separate them and give it a different name, and that didn't work out either. you know, even Redbox is like dropped in popularity from what it used to be because of the world of streaming. And who knows what it'll be next? You know, eventually the movie will just be implanted into our brain and we'll know it forever. And it, it's, it's, you know, I don't even know where we go. But, you know, 20 years ago we thought we were there and, and these things have come since then. So, of course, wrestling had to change. Any business has to change. And WWE has always been the one to lead that change. And it just got to the point with the, between the internet, between people talking and whatever. Everyone just knew. Everyone just knew that it was scripted, that it was pre-planned, that it was predetermined, and that they were putting on a show. And WWE was kind of that first company to be like, okay, you're going to be in on it now, and we're going to change how we do business. And I remember, again, the aforementioned WrestleMania 30 that we talked about before, when we were having the build to that, and when I was finally like, look, this is the plan. I remember it was like the November before was when I was like, nope, I'm not buying any of this. This is the plan all along. This is how it's going to go. He's going to win. I got told that was going to happen like that, and exactly what I was told, Daniel Bryan standing tall with both belts in November is what happened at WrestleMania. And and so I knew it was going to happen. But they changed it. They they The fans knew, right? The fans thought they knew that Daniel Bryan was being held down. They used that as a storytelling element. They still do it today. I mean, the whole CM Punk story, like like the fact that he was, you know, the all the issues he had going on with the company, they, they used it. They it's that reality that you talked about before. They're still telling stories. They're still a kayfabe. They're just changing the kayfabe because everyone knows what kayfabe is. They had to come up with a new kayfabe. So now it's like, okay, we're gonna make you think you know what's going on but really you don't, which is really what it was before. You know, the original cafe where people thought it was real, they thought they knew what was going on, they thought it was real, but really they didn't know what was going on because it was all scripted and predetermined and the wrestlers knew what was going to happen. Still hurts, but it hurts a little bit differently when you know it's coming. And fast forward now, they have to trick the fans in a different way. It's always still been about the trick. It's always still been about the work. Now you got to work them in a new way. People think they know what's going to happen, and so you got to flip it around. And that's where the magic happens. And the phrase magic is something that I thought about earlier. I, I remember uh, it was the first time that TV shows started revealing how magic tricks happen. And the sleight of hand, and, and how a magician will distract you so you can't see what they're doing. And, you know, even... A few years ago, when, when when the family went to Vegas, we saw a magic show, and, and the magician revealed how a couple of the tricks are done. 
and wrestling had that too. You know, they had the the, the I don't remember what it was called, but where they were the secrets of the ring is what it was yeah, called. And they revealed they did some the of same, that stuff. The same thing. And, and they spent forever showing you how to like rake someone's eyes across a rope, which you don't even really see happen that often. Like they didn't really go into the the big stuff. And if you listen to something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard, he'll never tell you how a buried alive match works and how because he refuses to reveal the magic behind the trick. Um, but he does admit that there's a magic behind the trick and, and that they're not really buried alive. So it's it's just changed in that sense. Like, it's it's still a work, right? You're still being worked as a fan, and you still want to be worked as a fan, or at least you, you don't even know, but subconsciously you want to be worked as a fan. WWE and subsequently everybody else just had to come up with new ways to work you because if they presented the product today like they did in 1984, 1988, um, it, it, no one would care because they know. So now you got to present them something that they don't know. And that's such a big parallel with just, I think, television in general now is that you talk, I mentioned about reality TV and how shows like Total Divas and Total Bellas really was that reality gateway into kind of pulling the curtain back on kayfabe a little bit. But that's also a bit of just what reality TV is now too, is you think you know what's happening and they put up some kind of, you know, front, but there's so many things going on behind the scenes and puzzle pieces being put together and things being played out so that, you know, it feels like it's reality that it's unscripted, but there's a path that, you know, contestants or people, whoever in that situation go through where it's not completely unscripted. And you think that, uh, you know, you're in that spot where you you're surprised by things and and things happen at random but there there's a lot of parallels between reality tv and even just you know pro wrestling right now it's the idea that you want to suspend your belief a little bit and there's all the elements there to tell you that it is but in reality there's things happening behind the scenes that you don't know about that are influencing what's happening and that's also a, a tell of just our generation now and why I do at first i was upset about the terminology the reality era because i always had that negative connotation with reality tv and that it's junk and all of that because i don't i still don't view wrestling as junk but i now see it as just more the planning and logic behind the two are, are very very similar making you believe in things that aren't quite as they're happening that things are happening organically or they at least they want you to think it's happening organically but a lot of times in these shows there's things that are being played out and laid out to actually get to a specific result so it's again the a sign of the times that that we live in but uh, it's just to me it was fascinating that that was Becky Lynch's speech on billions it was you know they they could have gone a different direction regarding motivation and empowerment and all that kind of stuff by just being an athlete just being someone who's overcame so much but they went for it and i'm very curious as far as how that the those lines got developed was it the writers who knew and wanted you know to bring in a wrestler to deliver these lines I, and if that's so i mean then one wrestling fans are are much more embedded into you know life than we imagine um and to have a platform like this to you know for, to to lay it out can be seen as a negative thing but also a positive thing that 
you know, laying things out and showing that wrestling is much more smarter, much more smarter than people think, um, actually helps the reputation of professional wrestling because for many, many years, even, you know, at the time when John Stossel was doing his investigative reporting in 1984, a lot of people just assumed wrestling was dumb and silly and childish. Um, because for the most part, that was the fan base. But also, how could you like something that wasn't real? Well, we like a lot of things that are real or not real. You know, we like lots of TV shows and movies and we like so many things that are not real. But the fact that how intentional professional wrestling is in the development of storylines and characters and even the technicality of pro wrestling, how much thought that actually goes into it, it's not dumb. It's it's not for the weak-minded. It's actually for people who want to think and like to think and like to be more methodical in what they're watching. So I hope people get that sense from that segment as well, that it's much more deeper than, than people give it credit for. It really is. Like, it, it's, it's, you're right. Like, it's completely, it's weird because back in the 80s when it was revealed that, you know, wrestling was predetermined, that was this huge thing. And now if you reveal that wrestling was predetermined, no one's going to bat an eyelash. So instead you go into kayfabe, which is the whole theory behind wrestling being predetermined. And now people are interested again, right? It's, it's kind of the same conversation. You're just going deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, but it's, it's, it's weird because it's WWE that's doing it. And it's Becky Lynch that's doing it. You know, if, if it were, uh, you know, Impact Wrestling that did say it. it. No, I say it. I know you want to say it. I don't know, well, though. Well, I don't, no, I don't know. No. I don't know if it were AEW. I don't know how people would react. I really don't. I don't know if it would be as negative as, say, if it was an Impact Wrestling. Because AEW is on TNT. And and Cody Rhodes is... Like, I haven't seen a lot of negative outlash against what Becky Lynch did. No, I think more of it has come from her being on the show. Right. And the actual well, uh, the negative, presence uh, and, like, yeah. the, the Hollywood stuff. Yeah, the backlash against Becky Hollywood. now is she's going Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. that I don't think people... And, and that's... Also, the illusion of it, too. Like, more people are interested in what this means for her to go to Hollywood. Is she going to be a part-timer? Are we not going to see her anymore? And nothing about the actual content that she provided on there, um, which surprised me a little bit. Because everybody knows. Those who, those who know already knew, and those who are watching it are interested. But I don't think we've gotten to the point now with wrestling where those who know don't get mad when those who don't know find out. And that, to me, is kind of the big evolution, where in 1988, 1984, those who knew didn't want those who don't know to find out. Well, I think it's it's less about not knowing and knowing. It's how do you react yeah. to when you find out. I think that's going back to what John Stossel's um, attitude was. Is like I, He did come across fairly arrogant and you know a little just disrespectful towards the whole process like oh i'm smarter than you because i'm you know being taught all these moves and i'm gonna find this out and again i understand that that's an element of investigative journalism like there's a persona that i do think journalists have to put together when you're doing an investigative report because you're going in there asking the hard-hitting questions trying to find answers you know really determined and driven you're not going to go in there kind of meek or you know um uh, going in there with just this innocence, like you're you're going in there like a, a bull in a china shop almost, and the reaction that he provided to it, I could see how it was deemed disrespectful, and even now, 
that's it's it's more about the reaction to finding out and and how people treat that than actually finding out if you understand it and say okay you know maybe it's not my cup of tea but i get why you watch it it's interesting it's cool or you know what good for them but if you go in there and i think that reaction will always happen Anyone who reacts to it as it's dumb, it's silly, it's stupid, it's childish, I can't believe you watch it. 1984 to 2020, that's not going to be the reaction that you want. And, you know, whether it's a slap in the face or someone tweeting at you is the big difference now. Um, but but that's really, and maybe it just hasn't come out yet because for the most part, most people are, are understanding of it. But probably because there's elements of the the curtain that have been peeled back enough to be like, oh, okay, this is what it is. It's another form of entertainment. But that does also go back to you know how this evolved. A lot of this evolved through the WWF and Vince McMahon and him changing the face of professional wrestling to sports entertainment. And I've mentioned that many times on this show that there is professional wrestling and there are companies that focus on professional wrestling. Um, and there's, you know, the WWE and their focus is sports entertainment. They just happen to be a company that produces professional wrestling. And once you dissect that a little bit more and understand that dynamic as a company, you get less frustrated at them when they're doing things that don't seem in alignment with professional wrestling, like something like this, like what they do with, you know, all the, the shows that they help produce when it comes to, to reality television. They know now that we live in a world of entertainment. And so when you can segment them, just like they segment themselves, it's a lot less frustrating when you look at what they're doing on the pro wrestling side and wondering why are they pushing that person? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Because a lot of it's more about entertainment than it is about pro wrestling. And the sooner you come to terms with that and accept that, you may not have to like it, but accept it, the less frustrated you will be with WWE as a product. And that's just, you know, my free advice for me to you. Anytime you're that fresh with WWE, think about what you're watching. Think about this company. It is not an AEW. It's not an Impact. It's not a Ring of Honor that is a professional wrestling company. It is a sports entertainment company that just happens to produce professional wrestling. I've used this phrase so many times over the years. You've heard it a million times. It's probably you don't even think twice when I say it anymore. Whenever people complain about WWE, I say the same thing. They don't know what they're watching. Because they think that it's, it's like watching a baseball game and bitching because it's not football. Like, that's what I think of when I hear people complaining about WWE. They're expecting pro wrestling and they're getting sports entertainment. Go watch pro wrestling. Now, I disagree. I think AEW is more sports entertainment than people are willing to admit. Um, but that's there fine. There it is. There's that typical AEW dig. Well, they are. If you look look at what they do, they're presenting. It's almost like they're, they're, WWE is a backdrop. Wrestling is a backdrop for WWE. AEW is is they put pro wrestling more at the for, forefront, but it's still at the forefront of their entertainment show, and they're on TNT, which is Entertainment Network. So I'm not bashing it for what they do. I'm just calling it what it is. I don't think they're doing a terrible job at it. I really don't. I think they're doing a perfectly fine job at it, and, and I think they're going to continue to grow and learn. It still hasn't been on TV for a year, so there's lots to to do and 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 lots that they're going to accomplish over the next few years. Now they've got longevity with their TV deal. Same with NXT. NXT and, and AEW are very similar, and that's being produced by WWE. It's WWE's more pro wrestling esque 
product but at the end of the day yeah you're watching a, a, a tv show that's being produced for you to watch i think the ones that are putting on and even impact and 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 you know ring of honor the other ring of honor is a little more on the wrestling side it's the companies that don't produce television they're the ones that are putting on pro wrestling it's your local indies that are putting on pro wrestling it, it's you know I'm putting on pro wrestling with Impact Zone Wrestling with IZW. Like that's what we do pro wrestling, you know. And 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 if you've been to a couple IZW shows, if you haven't figured it out yet, the biggest inspiration is Memphis. But it's still like we're putting on pro wrestling. That's our our show. That's our product. But we're not producing TV. It's very different. If we were producing a TV show, I, it would change and it would be different. That's not what I want to do anyway. But it is anything that's putting out a TV product is not fully pro wrestling just because they can't be because they're still making a product for television. They're making a television show. And that's, again, that's a fair point about now everything being on television, that there's always going to be an element to it. And even this, the the idea uh, of kayfabe has evolved because when you have a national product or any wrestling product that's on television, you have to think about the aspect of, of how it's portrayed on TV um, and how TV has evolved. And I started uh, this conversation by talking about, you know, what was happening in the eighties and, you know, you had really the, the big TV shows, the draws of, you know, your dynasties and uh, your, you know, family comedies and, uh, you know, it, it really became a, a huge time for television. Um, and I think, you know, Vince McMahon saw that too. And, and w- one of the reasons why he made the WWF a national product, uh, but also it was very much larger than life. And even within TV in the 80s, there was this line of, you know, knowing what was real and what was fake and knowing that there was things that were very adamantly produced and and uh were were done for the entertainment of fans um compared to something like pro wrestling that was still kind of figuring that out what what was that going to look like on a national scale and now we know you know 36 years later but um again we live in a time now where we saw two very different timelines and just the span of a few days uh of the history of pro wrestling and i think the beauty of both of them is that we're seeing more of that on television now than we have before and the fact that you had two very different instances of kayfabe on television two very different networks one was on showtime one was on vice two very different you know aspects one was a produced tv show you know uh scripted tv show one was more kind of documentary style but it was a time where we got to see both sides of wrestling. And as a fan, I feel very fortunate to be able to have that because now that means maybe we'll be able to see it in many different other aspects. And the fact that it's embedded and blended in into other parts of entertainment or journalism for that matter, it feels like a good time to be a wrestling fan, even though it doesn't because we're in the middle of a pandemic and you know, limited options, local wrestling promotions cannot run and may not be able to run for several months. Um, other promotions are, you know, not running or running empty arenas, but it does allow us a time to kind of reflect on other aspects of wrestling, um, and the history of the profession. And also to know that it still will exist, um, 36 years from now, it will still exist. What it will look like in 36 years, who knows? Who knows how kayfabe is going to evolve between 2020 and, you know, plus 36 years, 2056. That's good. Yeah, I know. I did that all by myself. Uh, But I'm also interested in your thoughts. I mean, 
from your time, uh, and this is to, to, you know, all of the listeners, you can let us know on social media. Um, you can find me at, at Instagram and Facebook at the hashtag Miranda. Uh, Greg is on social media at ChairShot Greg. You can also find uh, the ChairShot on social media. Let us know your thoughts on Kayfabe, the evolution from what you knew it as a fan to now. And where do you think Kayfabe is going to be evolving um, over, you know, the next 20, 30, 36 years? Um, because, you know, maybe people like us will be podcasting. Maybe we will be podcasting. I don't even know. That'd be weird if we were, but never say never. <laughs> We'd have to have um, a theme. There'd be a theme to it. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about things like embedded in your head. That's how podcasting is going to be in 36 years. Like we won't even need the setup. We just like have a chip in our brain and we just like, you know, press like our, our temple or something. And that's how we begin recording. It will, it will be weird, but you know what? It will be normal by then. Yeah. It won't be weird. 2020 us, 2020 us would think it was weird, but 2056 us, hopefully we'll still be there. Um, would, would not think it was weird at all. We'd be like, Oh yeah, this makes sense. So, it makes sense. so I want to pivot a bit of this conversation because, uh, there has been a topic I have wanted to talk about for the past few weeks and haven't. Um, and we're really going to highlight this on a high level. If you want to go in depth into this topic, you can go to the chairshot.com. There is coverage and I'm talking about, Impact Wrestling's Rebellion. This was a pay-per-view event that was originally scheduled um, to be held in New York City uh, on April 19th. However, due to the COVID-19 situation, um, it was rescheduled uh, and actually moved to uh, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, where it was recorded in an empty arena. It was taped uh, between April 8th. Uh, and 10th, and it was broadcast over the past two weeks, uh, April 21st and April 28th. Um, we, we haven't really talked about uh, Impact Wrestling since Hard to Kill back in January. A lot of things happened in the world, um, but also this was supposed to be their next big pay-per-view um, after Hard to Kill. This was something that they were advertising um, and, and putting together a big show, but but with COVID-19, they had to make some adjustments. But you can get the results um, and review impact coverage, um, in-depth analysis, of course, because the thechairshot.com is your place for wrestling news analysis and opinions. Yeah, Andrew Belaz does a great job of covering Impact Wrestling. He did that on, like like literally as we we're looking for things to do with the chair shot. He was just like, I want to cover Impact because no one covers it seriously and, and gives it the coverage it deserves, and so that's why he he covers covers Impact. But I know you weren't pausing for me to put over Andrew. You were pausing for this. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. We wait for me to talk more because I just know. No, no, no. That's exactly what I was waiting for. Oh, you're waiting for the other one. Okay. I'm not going to have you. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. 
So I really wanted to talk about the main events of each night. Um, and I'm actually going to be starting off with, of course, in order, uh, the results from night one. The main event was a unsanctioned match between Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan. Um, this became unsanctioned in which, you know, there wasn't going to be well, I'm curious as far as there was a referee there, and it did start in the ring, but it was unsanctioned by Impact Wrestling, which sometimes that whole stance of an unsanctioned match will vary from um, you know company to company, but that's not really why I wanted to talk about it. I did want to talk about it because it did have an aspect of some pre-recorded materials and um, kind of that cinematic feel that we've gotten from WWE uh, last month with WrestleMania, um, Impact did that with this match. And to be fair, Impact's been doing that for many, many years now. Cinematic elements with their matches. They've done it. I mean, we've seen that a lot with some of the darker storylines. We've seen that, of course, with the Hardys. Like, it's been there for a long time, and I don't think Impact has fully ever gotten the credit that it deserves for that. Um, maybe because a lot of that has felt a little silly and it hasn't been taken seriously, but you know, impact was able to do those vignettes and, and that cinematic quality to matches so that other companies could run with it. You know, uh, impact done a lot of trial and error with adding cinematic elements to matches. And this is one in which that, that definitely occurred. The match started in the ring but then as it led to the back, you can obviously see the transition um, and just the film quality between um, the them starting in the ring to the back. You can tell that the, the back was a completely different segment. Um, and of course, it was, you know, fairly, uh, fairly aggressive with with Sammy Callahan, um, just beating on Ken Shamrock. But same thing. I mean, Ken Shamrock, too, to have such a brutal match at, at his age. Um, I was I was really, really impressed. But there was, of course, elements to that cinematic portion of their match with like uh, the Western music that came out when they decided to go out again. I can see why sometimes people don't give credit to impact when they make kind of small decisions like that, like adding the Western music. It's like, it's not necessary. Um, they but you know what? That's quintessential impact. And just like when you're watching a movie, you can kind of tell who's directing it by just those elements. And I will always give props to impact where I will be able to know what I'm watching from impact because of those silly kind of silly elements. Um, eventually, Ken Shamrock defeated Sammy Callahan by submission. Um, again, referee came out and made the, the count, uh, even though there wasn't supposed to be a ref. So I wasn't still unclear about that. But I, I'm curious your thoughts, Greg, on that particular match, especially the way that they decide to film it um, into more uh, of a you know cinematic movie quality um, over say kind of a traditional match, which I would want to preface. I guess I understand that this isn't going to be a traditional match because it's unsanctioned. Yeah, the whole the unsanctioned referee. I mean, that's just this weird thing. Like even NXT does that, right? Where they have the unsanctioned match. At least they put Drake Wirtz in a different shirt when they do that. Like he's wearing the black shirt, the solid black shirt instead. But it's still a wrestling match. There still has to be a winner somehow. I mean, you look at the Boneyard match. That was a match, and The Undertaker is the winner. But there was no referee. There's also music playing in the So it really, 
it's, it's gotten to the point now where I don't think I criticize anything cinematic that, that they do. Western music? Of course. Why wouldn't there be Western music? It's a cinematic wrestling thing. And we're just in this age right now where we're so starved for content that we're like, okay, just just do it. Let's just watch it. It's going to be great. And hey, hopefully we, that, that continues when, when wrestling actually comes back to its normal form. Um, but, but you're right about this, the fact that this is something that Impact Wrestling and TNA has done before. They've incorporated it. A lot of people might say they ripped off Lucha Underground and they weren't really killing people until Lucha Underground killed people. So that's that's some of that true. And I think the Lucha Underground influence is something that, God, we got to talk about that at some point because it's, so, yeah. it's like one of the most influential. In fact, that's a whole other topic for a whole other website um, that, that <laughs> is in the works um, already that, that, that we've talked about and we're trying to put together long term. But that, but I mean, you go back in history, and, and there's a match between, I guess they were Generation Me in Impact Wrestling, but the Young Bucks and the Motor City Machine Guns in an empty arena match, and it's fantastic, and it's shot more like cinematic, but um, it's just a just a great match that they put on, and, and highly enjoyed seeing it. But this is the time to do those things and make those things happen. Plus, with the Shamrock, and you talked about his age and everything, and yeah, it was brutal, but you can reshoot things, you can edit, you can stage a little bit better. Like there's a lot of things you can do. To, to help someone in his position as well. And, and so, um, yeah, I, from, from what I've seen of it in the highlights, because I didn't watch the whole show, I definitely appreciate that people are taking advantage of this opportunity right now and putting on those cinematic matches. Again, if it's in front of a crowd, the crowd might be pissed that they didn't really get to see it happen live. But that's not a concern right now. And, uh, and, and so I think it's something that people can still enjoy, and, and it's just another way to give us that product. It's like we talked about earlier with the kayfabe discussion. We're watching a TV show. They're taking wrestling and finding new ways to turn it into a TV show, and that's what this was to me. Yeah, and, and I think about it a little bit more uh, about what I was saying earlier about knowing what you're getting kind of from an impact cinematic match. And in some ways for me, we'll always have a, a bit of a campy feel, but not in a bad way. Um, I'm thinking about also too, like that whole uh, storyline with Rosemary and Allie um, and Allie dying. And like, you know, I mean, a lot of the cinematic matches they've had with Rosemary, it does give a campy horror feel, feel, but not in a bad way, but also that's typical for that genre. Whereas in this one, I do think that they could have gone to uh, a different level with this. I mean, we just also saw not too long ago Edge and Randy Orton um, in, in that match, and it was com- very brutal. And um, they did, though, have a, a match in it of itself. But at the same time, there wasn't anything campy or uh, about that vibe. And I do think that there was elements of real, you know, uh, grit and roughness through this, but I, like I said, that big transition from backstage to outside with that music for some reason just sticks in my head. It's like, yeah, this is this is where this is the typical impact that I'm used to seeing, like just going for some weird ass swerve. But again, I, I mean, you make it a good point. Uh, we're starved for content, and I do appreciate that impact will just you know they're sticking true to their form um i do think there's so much potential behind this time and period now because there's just a lot of credit they don't get in general for their vignettes and promos that a lot of them are, are very funny and well made but because it's impact it doesn't get that same airtime so i'm excited and interested to see what this will mean in the future 
and and for uh, possibly um, other matches and other events, uh, and also how it may influence other promotions um, into wanting to do more cinematic style uh, matches. The other match I wanted to highlight was the main event of night two. Um, and this actually came from a lot of changes that happened on the card uh, due to the COVID-19 situation. The original main event that was planned for this uh, night was a triple threat match with Tessa Blanchard defending the Impact World Championship against Michael Elgin and Eddie Edwards. Well, Tessa was not able to make it. <laughs> Eddie was not able to make it as well, so Michael Elgin took the liberty to come into the middle of the ring at the end of the show to uh, pretty much say, ring the bell, I am the winner. Um, however, then you we had the music of Moose play, and he came out. And not only did he come out, he came out with the TNA World Heavyweight Championship belt around his waist, which that was a surprise. That was a big shocker. I didn't even know where that belt uh, was. I guess it's been with Moose. Um, and then uh, Moose came out to to pretty much challenge Michael Elgin. And then Hernandez came out. And so we ended up getting a triple threat match, um, after all, between Michael Elgin, Moose, and Hernandez. And to my surprise, Moose won. But I don't think that was a surprise to you, Greg. No, it's not. So, okay. This is... I don't, I don't mind what they're doing at all. I like it. But here's the thing about this. And this kind of goes into the, the bullshit internet wrestling news that we talked about during Chair Shot Radio. All the reports now are like they want to bring back TNA. They want to do all this stuff. And, and they're using the brand and all that. And that's all fine and well. But then there's the logistical piece of it that no one wants to think about. They only have one belt. And Tessa has it with her. <laughs> And they wanted to have a belt on the show. They wanted to end the show with a world title match. So they created one, right? They were like, well, we got this other belt. And Moose has been beating up all these people that were TNA people. And we got Hernandez, who was a TNA person. Let's do this. And they're just yeah, just taking chicken shit and turning it into chicken salad. And they did a darn good job of turning it into chicken salad. And no, I'm not surprised Moose won. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But And he didn't beat Elgin. He, he beat Hernandez. So there's that aspect of it, too. But... Yeah, it's it's just more logistical. They didn't have another belt. Like they didn't have a set. If they had a second copy of the TNA or the Impact World Championship, they might have used that and did an interim champion and caused some controversy or whatever. I don't know why. Up until you know the NXT Cruiserweight Championship, wrestling hasn't used the storytelling element of an interim championship. Boxing and MMA do it all the time, and and you know for some reason pro wrestling didn't. When I think it's a great way to tell a story, and you can do you know whoever wins the NXT Cruiserweight Tournament is going to have a ready-made program with Jordan mm -hmm. Devlin, and it's going to be fantastic when him and Kushida feud over this belt and put on great matches and, and tear it up at a takeover. Like, it's going to be fantastic. But, but WWE has multiple copies of all their titles. Apparently, Impact Wrestling doesn't. And and that's fine. Like, it's it's a lot of companies don't. But that's why they did this. They didn't do it because of all the reasons people are trying to say and they did it because they only had the one belt. They still had the old TNA world title that was not being used. They busted out. They made good use of it, too. I'm not criticizing them for doing it. I think it's a great idea. It, it was more built out of necessity, not built out of the, this this brilliant idea. Now, I don't think... Uh, we haven't told the story on air, but I'm going to tell it now. 
just because it's so perfect with everything that's going on and now the things that Moose is saying in interviews. So Patrick O'Dowd and I, when we went to Las Vegas back in February, we attended the last day, and it was a three-day TV taping that Impact Wrestling did. We went to the last day. It's the day we arrived. That Sunday we went. We're eating the little mini food court there in Samstown. Um, and we're at our table, and like six feet away is Tommy Dreamer and Moose and a third person who I won't name because um, it's not fair to that person. They're not involved in the wrestling business. Um, and they're having a conversation about the show. And two things came out of that. Now it's out of now. Number one, Tommy Dreamer's an asshole. Like, <laughs> Madman Fulton goes up to him, has this whole conversation, thanks him, whatever, and Tommy Dreamer just goes, bye. So that I didn't love. But the other thing was, Moose spent the whole time complaining about the fact that Tessa Blanchard is the world champion and how she doesn't deserve to be the world champion. A woman shouldn't be the world champion. He should be the world champion because he's the biggest and the baddest and all that stuff. Like, like he really believes some of the things that he's saying. Like, this wasn't him in character. This was just the guy stating his opinion. Um, and now it's a ready-made program. I don't know how you can believably put on Moose versus Tessa Blanchard, and he ain't going to sell for her anyway. So that's going to be a whole other thing they got to figure out. But... But the fact that they used him, and look, he's ready. He's ready to do this now. Like he's in a position now where I think he's ready to carry a title like that, and and I think it's a perfect storytelling element. It fits into what he was doing with beating up all the TNA people, which is a story they were trying to tell yeah. for the WrestleMania weekend show. And I think just think they're making the best out of a bad situation, which is what this whole stay-at-home coronavirus thing is all about for, for me and for you and for a lot of other people. You can sit at home and do nothing. You can just cart out another match, have Michael Elgin try to walk around saying he's the uncrowned world champion, or you can do something creative with it and make something of it. And I think that's what they did, and I think they did a great job. Um, and, and, you know, I'm excited to see what's next. Maybe those two belts exist independently of each other or they get merged later. I don't think you can run with Tessa versus Moose unless they give him a lot of money to be, to lose to her. Um, or, you know, maybe her contract's going to be up and she's going to have to put Moose over. Who knows? But um, I just, I think it's intriguing. I think it's exciting. And, and um, I think there is some love for, for the TNA brand right now and which is kind of funny given you know how it ended and how it was toxic for a while to go back to an element of the show earlier but also a cockroach that never died so i like it i like it and i'm excited to see what they do with it yeah i mean a lot of this show was just about doing the best with the elements that you had and a lot of matches were modified just like we saw at, at wrestlemania there was modifications due to you know people who couldn't be there and and uh matches being changed um and matches being added uh i do think they made the best out of a bad situation as far as not having a world championship uh match happening at the end. I mean, this was their biggest pay-per-view setup after hard to kill in January. So there was a lot of momentum that they wanted to build into this and have it keep on moving forward, you know, through the summer. Um, and to do this as far as storyline wise, after Moose has been very publicly, you know, beating all of these TNA legends, um, and just wrestling legends, um, and to kind of self-anoint himself, anoint himself the TNA world champion, heavyweight champion. I mean, it's it's the best uh, out of a bad situation. I, I definitely agree. And it could add another element. I mean, we still see there's some unfinished business between um, Eddie Edwards, Tessa, and Michael Elgin. And that is eventually going to happen. But it could easily then be a segue for whoever ends up keeping that or having the title, keeping 
you know, kind of alluding to that, you know, into another program. Um, and also, I mean, there is a nostalgia element in general in wrestling that fans are glued to, you know, old TNA, old WWF, old WCW, old DCW. I mean, it, there's still money in it. Um, and so to have that as an element now, who knows what's going to happen with it, if we'll see it again or, you know, what what happens. But I do think it was a way to end rebellion with also a question mark. And that's kind of a, a perfect way to end uh, a pay-per-view or to, to end a, an event like this um, where you leave fans wanting more because they're going to go on a hiatus. Most, most wrestling companies are going to go on a hiatus for right now. You want to leave them enough with a question mark so that, that when things, you know, resume, they still have that question mark looming and they want to come back and see what's happening next. And I think this was an awesome way to end a uh, rebellion compared to some of the other matches on the card where they were pretty, you know, direct uh, in, in the results. Um, I think night one, I mean, on the cinematic level was great to end that. Uh, but I think for night two and overall, this was probably the best and most entertaining way uh, to end the event. And who knows what will happen, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. So, you know, it everyone... is, I just want to make one point though. Yeah. A question mark is also a great way to end a television show. And that's what it is. It's a television show. And I think they did a great job. I do think, and I'm just grasping at straws here. I don't know anything per se, but I think we're going to see the TNA and Impact World title separate, at least through Bound for Glory, if not longer. Mm -hmm. And I think they should. I think they can exist independently for a decent amount of time. I, I think they've got the, 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 the capability and the talent to do that right now. Yeah. It was, it's parallel tracks, you know, yeah. and then eventually they're going to combine. Yeah. They're gonna, Don't do it they're too soon. Intersect. You know? Even Bound for Glory might be too soon to have them intersect. You know, mm -hmm. Maybe you get to a point where, and New Japan did it years ago with their Intercontinental Championship where they let the fans decide and they put Nakamura in the main event defending his Intercontinental title and not Naito defending the, or challenging for, I can't remember, the, the heavyweight title. So I think there's a lot of things they can do and, and use it to tell a story for a longer time and maybe it's not until next spring or, or 2021 Bound for Glory where you finally wrap that thing up. Who knows? But I think it's got legs. I really do. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely does. And during a time like this, it's nice to have legs because we all may need to be running, especially from those African like killer wasp things. Japanese then, murder hornets. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're going to kill us. I get it. You know, like we're all going to die. It's funny. They, they kill 50 people a year in Japan. I don't know if you guys know the population of Japan, but that's a real small percentage. Like, yeah, no, that's a small percentage for like even a medium-sized town. So I think it's just because I they think... have the word "murder" in their name. Is, well, is and they look creepy as yeah stuff, man. They're creepy. I am not a bug fan. Mm -mm. No, I know. No, so I mean, if you're worried about uh, African or Chinese or Japanese murder hornets, I'm not, sorry. I apologize from from that. But if you're worried about being stung by a wasp and dying or COVID nineteen or any of these things. Don't forget, you can go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot because you never know. YOLO. If you're going to die, you might as well look good doing it. You might as well have oh, a shirt God. before.
Because you don't want that to be a regret that you have. Oh, I should have ordered my chair shot t-shirt. Oh, I should have gotten it in soft style. I should have. I should have. Had I only ordered that suck it nerd (laughs) t-shirt. Oh, if only I ordered that hashtag save tag team wrestling. I could have actually saved tag team wrestling. Maybe. Maybe you could have, but you'll never know if you don't order. So go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. T-shirts there start at $19.99. You can add a few extra dollars if you want to go to soft style. Hey, but it'll be worth it because you're going to be comfortable. And we don't know how much longer we're going to be here. And especially if you're hiding in your house from COVID or um scary wasps you want to be comfortable so take the extra dollars and of course you have the og chair shot shirt multiple use your head shirts chair shot worldwide the corona shot chair shot shirt corona shot there's no corona shot well that's okay not yet hopefully there will be at some point yeah hopefully and then we'll make that shirt and the, of course, the unofficial official shirt of Patrick O'Dowd, Save Tag Team Wrestling, and the Queen of Soft Style shirt, all available at ProWrestlingTees.com. Order your shirt today. Wasn't that a wonderful segment? About I was. Talking about the end of the world and then... Um, t-shirts. T-shirts. Yeah, I'm, I'm really reaching, reaching. That's the key word here, reaching. But you're, but sometimes uh, you reach and you don't grab anything off the shelf. You actually did. So it was good. I did. Very yes. well done. Pat yourself on Everyone, the Everyone, thank you so much for joining us with another You're week welcome. The- sorry. Sometimes <laughs> people say thank you. It deserves it. You're welcome. Yes. You, you're just trying to be kind. You being kind, never. Um, but there's always a first time for everything. Today was that day. Today, sure. Today was totally not that day. But maybe next week. Hey, speaking of, you can join us next week for the hashtag Miranda show. We're going to be talking about all types of random things that are happening in the world, especially in the world of professional wrestling. Don't forget that you can follow us on social media at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook. I am the Twitterless heroine, ergo no Twitter. But, you know, the end of the world is happening, so maybe on its last day I'll get a Twitter, and maybe I'll get 500 followers just to show Patrick what's up. I um, hope not. I really do. I'd rather the world end and you not have it. <laughs> but you know what? You can you you, you can you can blame me because it won't be your fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> uh, you can follow Greg at uh, Chairshot Greg on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those things. You could probably email him as well if you wanted to. Um, that's your business, not mine. And you can follow the chair shot uh, at chair, the chair shot.com. Again, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Leave us your comments, your feedback, uh, topics you'd like for us to cover in the future. We may listen to them, we may not. Who knows? That's what the surprise is all about surprise of life. But I thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Hope you all stay safe, and we will be back next week. Viva la raza! I got that passion that's lasting long, Los Mojeles. Dave, it's me, Dave.